0: topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome, Integrative Dietitians Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu. Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast. You are joining
1: us for episode 336, Keto and Fertility. In this episode, we will discuss the role of the ketogenic diet in supporting fertility and explore the mechanisms here. We will also be discussing superfoods and supplement support to aid in egg health and optimal fertility.
2: Yes, I think today's episode is going to be pretty jam-packed. Uh, And we're going to talk about a lot of mechanisms of action of infertility and how they can be corrected with functional medicine approaches. But before we get into that, I want to let you listeners know that there are still just a couple tickets available for our Wimberly Wellness Workshop coming up in May, May 20th and the 21st. And this is not just for women, so something that you might want to bring your boyfriend or your spouse to, especially if they have also been moved by food as medicine and they're on this journey with you um, it is two different day breakouts if you will from 11 to 2 or 2 30 so on saturday i'll be doing a functional medicine uh, lecture then we'll do some interactive workshop breakout sessions and then we'll wrap that up with becky and i doing an ask us anything style live podcast recording which will be super fun where you can ask your questions on the microphone on saturday we're going to be catering your lunch with my naturally nourished. Market featuring a lot of my food is medicine favorite recipes for y'all to taste. And then on Sunday, we're going to be doing an interactive cooking class. So that's going to be a two and a half hour cooking class, um, and then we'll all sit down in an intimate way to enjoy that meal together that we've prepared. We're going to talk about how to see your proteins to ensure best flavors. We're going to troubleshoot making bone broth. We will make four different courses during this class and also be tackling subjects like meal planning throughout the week, meal prep and strategy, and throughout the class talk about ingredient selection, our favorite cooking tools, etc. We're super excited to meet you all in person here in Wimberley, Texas, in the Hill Country. Uh, Unlike our um, retreat that we did last spring, this allows you free range for lodging. So you can stay in a yurt and stargaze at the nighttime. You can stay in a spa and book a massage or acupuncture session in the earlier morning or later afternoon. You can stay in any Airbnb that you see. But there's beautiful areas of valley views. You might be able to stay with river access somewhere out here and the Blanco River is so much fun if just to wade your feet in to reset your nervous system or to even do a little float um, or swimming with the party that you involve yourself with and I will say this is a great time to also meet like-minded community so this would not be something that you should worried about traveling with on your own i'm sure there's going to be a lot of people flying solo and we'll be offering the opportunity for you to collaborate with others that are attending Um, and once you purchase your tickets you'll get a little bit of a travel guide for me as of uh, the end of march so i'm kind of starting to curate that and put that together for you guys to give you more than ample time to place your bookings and etc i'll also give you my favorite hiking trails shopping spots and other fun stuff to do in hill country so hopefully we will see you may 20th and may 21st Uh, the tickets are $375 for the two-day pass and then each day also offers an opportunity to layer in morning movement uh, really good deep flow yoga on one day prana shakti dance class on another day where you can do all the crazy fun stuff with becky and myself and then um, we'll be offering like a healthy hour from two to four both days over at my market where you can get discounted natural wines uh, grab some of my raw walnut fudge or maybe my mangoes in fuego nut balls Um, and then on sunday bring your coolers and fill them up you can get uh, my bone broth based frozen soups to use as ice packs and um, grab all of our different pasture-raised grass-fed grass-finished protein cuts Um, also family-style prepared meals paleo chicken tenders can't wait to share all the goodies that i know all of you have been asking me about uh, great way to welcome you all up here to check out the market but also to meet becky and myself and take your food as medicine journey to the next level you can get tickets over at alliemillerrd.com yes it's going to be so much fun can't wait to see y'all there
1: Um, next up we have our women's wellness webinar coming
2: in April. Yes. April 12th, I believe it is. We'll put a link in the show notes and this is a free webinar. Uh, we offered a free webinar back in February on cardiovascular health. Um, this is going to kind of just tie up all of the variables of women's hormone balance. And um, we'll be digging into different types of testing your hormones. Um, we're also re-offering the Dutch panel or picking that back up as an option to look at urinary metabolites. So stay tuned on more information for that as we still continue using salivary hormone assessment as our primary choice of hormone testing. Um, so we'll talk about different types of labs, uh, different drivers of hormone imbalance, food as medicine strategy, and ways to support optimal hormones in your body. And if you miss last week's episode it was really great episode 335 on um, eating for your cycle where we broke down the four stages of the menstrual cycle and how lifestyle diet and supplement strategy can be used to really hone in and use your cycle to work with you versus against you.
1: Alright, before we get into all of what we've got in store today, let's just have a quick word from our sponsor for this episode, Fond Bone Broth.
2: Yeah, we're super excited to share that Fond Bone Broth just took their delicious, delicious tonifying elixir to the next level by becoming regenerative farming certified um, and so the folks on over at Fond Bone Broth believe just like we do that the best way to balance out a sustainable environment is to bring that carbon back into the soil with a regenerative farming approach so when we look at this this is going to be a great way to ensure that you're voting with your dollar for sustainability quality. We know already that they're using cage-free chicken and grass-fed beef bones, but now they're kind of taking that next level on that qualitative organic farming practice that really helps with carbon sequestering in our soil so you can feel double good when you purchase a jar of fond bone broth and we're big fans of sipping bone broth as a way to heal the gut a delivery of collagen and gelatin for our connective tissue like our hair skin and nails we also like to recommend using bone broth as a way to kind of recalibrate after maybe spring break overindulging if you want to get rid of some of those added pounds maybe from excessive calories intake from foods or alcohol, a three-day bone broth fast is a great way to kind of ring out and push the reset button while giving love into your gut. Um, And so this would be maybe sipping on four jars of Fond for three days in a row and optionally consuming one meal with protein and leafy greens. Uh, We know that each jar of fond Bone Broth has 20 grams of protein. So when you're doing a bone broth fast, you're still getting 80 grams of protein per day. Um, Really lovely and still keeps the body in a balanced, sustained state while still getting the benefits of fasting. Um, We also love the bone broth because it provides us electrolytes. So a great thing, even as we're getting into the heat of spring and summer, to keep in the mix um, to support that electrolyte stability. You can check out their turmeric cracked black pepper flavor. Um, I love their youth tonic with shiitake, sage, and shallot. Their spring clean with yellow onion, lemon, and radish, or the conductor with butternut squash, chipotle, and rosemary. And they use all of these ingredients as an infusion. So their broth is just going to be, you know, homogenous, one textured liquid. Um, It does have a pretty salad jiggle when you chill it, so you know that you get that good collagen and gelatin. Um, But just a really beautiful health-supporting, drink or base to a meal. You could also add in some miracle noodles and uh, make like a pho using some leftover protein, some chopped up scallions, and maybe some fresh herbs to really make that a meal in a mug, if you will. Go on over to fondbonebroth.com to check out your sous chef in a jar and really taste wellness well-made. Again, that's fondbonebroth.com. And as a podcast listener, use the code naturallynourished to let them know that you learned about them from the Naturally Nourished podcast. You'll save 15% off of your order when you use Naturally Nourished over at fondbonebroth.com. Okay. So infertility is on the rise and I
1: feel like we're hearing more and more about this these days. Um, Let's talk about the current rates and really the Industry that has become infertility.
2: Oh my goodness! And just mentioning that the industry that is infertility, I can't tell you some of the crazy horror stories that I've heard from clients, and um, as well as just in my community, friends and extended peers of other friends, etc., where they're being really kind of fear mongered into freezing their eggs at very mm-hmm. early ages, um, which that in itself is an intervention where you're right away bringing in high levels of hormone um in order to support egg retrieval. And, you know, women in as early as 31 are are being told by OBGYNs to go through this practice. I've also had a woman who um, was told that they wanted to actually put her in a state of menopause in her 30s um, to actually shut down her hormones before they wanted to relaunch them to support her egg retrieval. Um, So a lot of intervention goes on in the world of infertility. And just to note that um, you know every single procedure, every single drug, every single appointment is billable. Sure. Um, and so the more seemingly complex something that is so natural for the human body to do um, can often yield a high dollar industry. In fact, we're seeing this on the rise of thirty billion dollars as of today, as we're speaking in the world of infertility. And I also want to say on the other end of the spectrum infertility is on the rise and so yes don't go into that fear-mongering component of oh my gosh you know we've uh naturally been having sex for four or five months and we're infertile you know we generally will say industry-wise that at least a year of active trying would be required before we would consider any form of infertility treatment Um, and the whole process can often be very frustrating very stressful and impacts millions of people we're we're seeing about one in eight couples dealing with both the emotional and financial burden of infertility and this is about you know 12 to 15 percent of couples that are unable to conceive after trying to get pregnant for a year okay so pretty
1: significant for sure um and you know really quickly can become this just like throw your hands up and you know accept this diagnosis and and go into this whole conventional you know, approach. Um, I've even talked to women who were told not to bother trying naturally, or not to try yeah, naturally, yeah. Um, and just go the IVF route just because of advanced maternal age. Which yes. I'm like, you're like 35, you're yes. a year older than me. Wait a minute, what's going on?
2: Yeah, yeah, and and I think it's a catch 22 because also I work with women that choose to go through IVF or IUI. And once you make that choice, you do have to um, not give up the sovereignty of your body per se, but I'm often working with them, especially those that are functional medicine minded that have maybe been working two, three, four years at this and they're on team with their, their spouse that they want to have another child and they're going to go more of the mainstream medical route. But then they're having that kind of cognitive incongruency of like, oh, but I don't want to take hormone. I need to detox hormone. And and I often am working with them and just saying, you know what? Once you make that choice, like once we go down that trajectory, which means we probably need an entire other episode on supporting IVF Mm -hmm. and IUI because again, no judgment. Absolutely. You make your own family choices in your household. Um, But once we do make that choice, we do need to kind of surrender and not think about, okay, now I'm injecting myself with hormones. This is going to stress my liver because you can get stressed out about the process when you know it's quote unquote, not maybe the most natural thing. So today's episode, what we're really going to hone in on though, is how we can support egg health and sperm motility and morphology, we're going to talk about the influence of vitamins and um, antioxidants, the role of inflammation, um, and then how we can support even the uterine environment to support successful outcomes, whether you are going through infertility treatment or whether you are naturally trying to conceive. Okay. Um, so many reasons that infertility
1: is increasing. Um, we've covered in past episodes, the impact of both stress and toxins on hormone decline and infertility. Um, before we dig into some of the other mechanisms you mentioned, let's just talk a little more on stress.
2: Yeah, so we talked a lot about stress last episode when we were talking about the four phases of a woman's menstrual cycle and that idea that stress can steal sex hormone for survival. So there is this huge connection of our HPA axis or that hypothalamic pituitary adrenal feedback in the uh, brain and adrenal glands and how if our autonomic nervous system is piloted into that sympathetic fight-or-flight response, and it doesn't have ample parasympathetic balance that the body is not going to feel safe to conceive. Um, so this may mean that a woman goes anovulatory and maybe she's having a monthly menstrual cycle, but she's not ovulating. Or this may mean that this woman goes through amenorrhea where she loses her menstrual cycle altogether altogether or it may just mean that the luteal phase is too short and doesn't allow healthy implantation there's various mechanisms but the big picture is that the pituitary in the brain Um, If it's focusing all of its energy on making ACTH, which is the primary stimulating hormone for our adrenals to make cortisol, then there's going to be dysfunctional output of FSH, which is the follicular stimulating hormone, and you need that follicle activity. That's what we'll often look at in a more detailed assessment for fertility. Um, We need that follicular stimulating hormone function. And then we need our luteal hormone um, output in that um, luteal phase or that end phase prior to menstruation. Also, the pituitary makes our oxytocin, um, and it also makes prolactin. So we think of oxytocin as that bliss um, kind of neuropeptide that plays a role during orgasm and trust and connection with humans. Um, and I think that that's something really, I, I, I want to pause here and we'll, we'll talk more about that. But surging oxytocin, I think, is one of the best ways to support fertility naturally. And I have that conversation all the time with patients where it's like, you know what? I want you to forget about getting pregnant for at least three to six months. And I want you to have fun with your partner. You don't want to have forcible timed sex and try to make a baby. It's just so much stress. It's so much pressure. I've been there. Um, There is nothing intimate about that experience. And it can feel just deeply um, dissociative with your partner versus a connection, loving, intimate experience and interplay. Um, and so finding ways to provoke oxytocin, and maybe that means that you do a sex-free two weeks and you kind of reset your virginity as a couple together and you just work with touch with massage and hugging and deeper connection, like talk in bed with a candle lit um, to really create that excitement and that desire again versus that like mechanical time to have sex. <laughs> yeah. um, this yep. position on all four, yep. bending back, <laughs> yep. legs up in the air. Um, and so finding that oxytocin natural connection, I think is, a really important bliss factor that also allows this influence of safety and releases that stress valve. Yes. I feel like that could be a whole podcast episode right? just on oxytocin. I know, making you blush.
1: Right. <laughs> um, and then, you know, like, what is that? We have two kids in our bed at all times. So. <laughs>
2: You just get oxytocin from your babies. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, and then prolactin, um, you know, also is one that we think of during lactation and breastfeeding. But prolactin is one that I've seen elevated with infertility. Um, and we think of like berry or chaste tree, um, vitex, um, these supplements that influence the pituitary. Maca would be another supplement that impacts the pituitary. Um, you know, there definitely is this pituitary huge impact on... On, um, fertility and sex hormone function so that's an area to dig into if you know you're a high stress individual and you haven't assessed those values you can actually run your prolactin levels in the blood Um, and definitely should get a you know day three of your menstrual cycle actually a day two or day three is when you'd want to do your fsh your lh your prolactin um, and could even look at maybe your acth or your dhea sulfate and then we look at our salivary hormone panels for our cortisol Um, i like to look at a four-point cortisol as well as three types of estrogen progesterone testosterone and dhea again maybe Um, and that i would run more at like day 1920 in that um not truly mid luteal but I guess getting into that mid luteal phase if you will yep um
1: so that like progesterone peak Yes. Time. Yeah, time.
2: Yes. Okay. And so that connection is that it's, it's kind of known as the pregnenolone steal. Mm. Um, and so again, the idea is that if the body is so stressed, it doesn't feel safe to procreate. Um, and so you're going to get sex hormone suppressed. Um, you may be anovulatory, not even ovulate at all. Um, and today's episode is more about women, but men, we see an unfavorable impact of stress and testosterone. In fact, we can link that testosterone episode. Yeah, um, And in that episode, we talked a lot about infertility on the rise due to toxins, which is a whole nother kind of concept of stressors in the world of fertility. Yes, totally.
1: Um, and I'll also link our episode on the pregnant and steel and cortisol yeah. connection because that's a good one to listen back on as well. Yeah. Um, so, toxins, we talked about this a lot in that testosterone episode recently, um, especially phthalates. I think that's like the big thing that's coming to. Um, kind of uh coming into public view i guess yeah
2: yeah so phthalates and phthalate esters are you know esters of phthalic acid um these are used in plasticizers uh which are substances added to plastics to increase their flexibility transparency durability and longevity and longevity means that these are kind of leaning into that forever chemical meaning that they stay and precipitate in the body um, as well as in our environment um and and these can be used in anything that contains plastic from a plastic water bottle to a food container to potentially likely in an IUD right? Mm-hmm. Um, or any form of plastic that could be found um, in a food-based or beverage-based container as well as makeup containers, etc., Um, We've seen that the phthalates can actually reduce significantly testosterone levels in both women and men, um, and that there's also a lot of uh, endocrine-disrupting compounds, including estrogen-mimicking compounds. And so we see xenoestrogens and metalloestrogens as drivers here. Metalloestrogens actually come from metals, so even like aluminum, copper, lead, mercury, Um, barium. These actually are added to thousands of consumer products. Um, Definitely are found ubiquitous in vaccines as an adjuvant or a triggering component. And these metalloestrogens mimic and interfere with our estrogen receptors. They mimic the function of estrogen and then interfere with how estrogen docks in our cells. And then these xenoestrogens are also more in that plasticizer family where we're seeing that mimicry of estrogen interfering with estrogen metabolism so whether it is emotional stress or a toxin stress These are two areas that we really want to explore before we even go into any deep dive stuff. And I would say in the world of toxins, this would be a great call to action if looking for fertility to do our 10 day detox and use those reset, restore, renew detox packs. Keeping on a pack daily during your time of active trying to conceive would be a great strategy because your liver is also a a mechanism of regulating hormone in the body. Um, It's what's going to make these primary building blocks of pregnenolone um, made by the adrenals, but really regulating by the liver. We see how cholesterol metabolism is metabolized and formed and sex hormones can be impacted through that detox pathway. Um, And so we do see that when we support our body through detox, we often see miracle babies just like we do with keto miracle babies. Um, And this can be a big area of focus, especially if an individual has increased body fat um, because they likely in their adipocytes or their body fat cells are storing hormone disrupting compounds. So, doing the 10-day detox following that is kind of a gateway entry and then maybe keeping that clean eating strategy while you keep a pack a day would be a great area of focus here. Yep. And then
1: looking into, you know, sources in your own household of some of these compounds that we just talked about, making yes. sure you're drinking from glass container or stainless steel water bottles, um, not heating any food in plastic, just a good time during that detox to do like a full revamp of like, what am I putting on my body, around my body, not just even in my body. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Shampoo,
1: conditioners, cosmetics, all the things. All of it. Okay. And then another area of focus um, that I think is sometimes overlooked or we don't think as much about is The uterine lining, right? Um, Especially women who've never had children, you know, as well as those who are higher risk with endometriosis or adenomyosis. Um, We can link that episode 256 on uterine health. But let's talk about addressing the health of our uterine lining and why this matters.
2: Yeah. So the uterine lining, we want to be supple. We don't want it to be rigid. We want to reduce fibroids. Um, Fibroids would make an inhabitable uterus. Um, and what we're looking to do to support a supple uterine lining is to ensure that we don't have inflammation in the uterus itself. Um, I really lean to Inflamazyme here, and I I think that you called out, Becky, you know, women that are 32, 33 plus and haven't had a child yet will have naturally a thicker uterine Mm -hmm. lining than those in their 20s, and so 20s still is your peak, prime fertile time Um, and what declines is the um, amount of eggs right Um, every time we cycle and then also um, the egg health itself the viability where you know we talked last week about ovulation that egg lasting 12 to 24 hours well as we cross into mid 30s late 30s that egg might have that lower end of viability of like 12 to 13 hours and in our early um, teen like late teens early 20s we might have that full 24 hours which would be potentially an extra day of potentiality of fertility yeah Yeah. Um, and so both egg health and natural aging as um, you know having an impact there and we'll dig a moment into that when we talk antioxidants but we also think of then the tissue lining building and thickening because you're just dealing with that menstrual cycle thickening which is a with thinning as a process and that shed in your menstrual cycle is a lot less dynamic than what occurs when you have a baby sure yeah Um, yeah. there's a pretty deep reset that goes on there in the uterine space and even if you have a c-section they truly kind of like like vac and suck a lot out. A lot of tissue comes out in that time. Um, And so when we're talking about the uterine lining, I really push towards proteolytic enzymes and anti-inflammatory botanicals. So the inflamazime in our line is a number one tool here to support optimal uterine health um about 6 to 8 a day especially if you've been told through an intravaginal ultrasound and I would say if you aren't getting pregnant before again going down into the, like the actual going to a fertility center ask your OBGYN to do an intravaginal ultrasound and mm-hmm. just say hey yeah. can you just check out my uterus and tell me if you see anything in there yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what are things looking like um you know I remember doing that after I had Stella and was like you know and he was like okay looks good things are fine um and so it's always good to kind of know is the tissue buildup dynamic Are there any fibroids? Um, Can you see what's going on in the follicle um, area? And um, that shall be done pretty easy, low billable, and help you to know your risk factor there. Um, Inflamazime at like six to eight a day, and this would be taken without food. This is something you might do like four a day as your baseline. And then as you lead into your menstrual cycle, ramp that up to the six to eight um, to help with that shedding of the uterine lining um, and also to prevent blood clots, especially if you're seeing like tissue buildup in your menstrual cycle. Sure. Um, and then
1: reducing alcohol and sugar in the diet could be helpful here as well. Most definitely, yeah. Um,
2: in terms of just dietary interventions. Mm-hmm. And then I would say making sure you're having a monthly cycle. Yeah. Because if yeah, we yeah. aren't, this is where we really see in perimenopausal why many women have to get an ablation. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially what happens is they're you know going four or five months without a menstrual cycle. That uterine lining thickens, thickens, thickens. And then they have a cycle and it's like a 12-day very sure. heavy bleed. Yeah. like you know bleeding through their genes etc and so they'll go on um, progesterone as an oral pill uh, try to kind of put the dam up or kind of slow down that bleeding Mm -hmm. process and um, then those individuals might need an ablation but you can prevent that altogether by using the inflamasome regularly Um, again especially if you know you have uterine thickening or fibroids and that could even be a tool for that perimenopausal transition as well as fertility totally um, and then testing your progesterone level is super important
1: here as well. As you yes. know, if those are too low, that's going to allow more thickening of the uterine lining.
2: Yeah, and it's that progesterone drop after its peak that helps to support that healthy, robust menstrual cycle. And your menstrual cycle should start with like that bright red output versus that rust discharge, which is an indicator of low progesterone. And of course, that's one of the number one causes of um, not necessarily infertility, but could be infertility as well as for sure miscarriage. And that's why a lot of individuals will go on topical or um, supplemental progesterone during that first trimester. All right. Um, Let's hit
1: on antioxidants. You alluded to this a little bit around the world of Egg health Um, so let's talk coq10 and glutathione as really primary nutrients of focus in the world of fertility
2: yeah so you know as the body ages so does our eggs (laughs) and you know so do our antioxidant status our antioxidant status is on higher demand and so generally speaking antioxidants decline with age as well Um, and coq10 is not unique in that scenario so as we age we see coq10 levels diminish And also our body's ability to convert CoQ10 into its active form will deteriorate. And that's something that I'll call out because we've talked about in our CoQ10 episode, we can link that as well in the show notes, um, about the form of our CoQ10 in our product and how it's in the bioactive versus the reduced form. Um, And that's important to note. So as we age and we need more CoQ10, taking it in this active form versus the inactive form and hoping that the body can make that conversion and we know that that conversion rate reduces with age would not be a good investment when you're purchasing a supplement. So I would just kind of call that out. And that's what makes our CoQ10 complex superior, that unique encapsulation of the active form. And now we have that in that 100 or 200 milligram capsule. Um, So CoQ10 has been looked at extensively um, to both support sperm and egg quality, as well as other mechanisms and aspects of fertility for both men and women women Um, it's shown to improve egg quality sperm quality and pregnancy rates and as antioxidant status takes about you know that we always say like that 90-day assessment is kind of like our cellular turnover in general so it is strong recommendation that we are on CoQ10 even if going through IUI or IVF for about three months even prior to retrieval Um, to support optimal egg health. Um, And so getting that CoQ10 in early on, even when considering conception would be a really good suggestion. There has been a gamut of literature supporting CoQ10 use with fertility. There were five randomized controlled trials um, that looked at oral supplementation of CoQ10 and an increase of um, CPR when compared with placebo or non-treatment. And um, this actually was significant when women had poor ovarian responses and PCOS um, when these were analyzed separately. Um, we saw outcomes with the CoQ10 in both of these populations. And this study was called, Does Coenzyme Q10 Supplement Improve Fertility Outcomes in Women Under- Undergoing Assisted Reproductive Technology Procedures? Okay. Um, so pretty significant.
1: And dosage-wise, what's your, what's your go-to? Like Starting with 200?
2: Yeah. So the studies will range from 200 okay. to 600. Um, and so, you know, 600 is is on that definitely upper level range. I would say at least that 200 milligram dosage and um, leaning into like that 200 milligram capsule twice daily sure. yeah, yeah. for at least maybe like a solid six month run. And then you might go back down to like that 200 milligram sure. daily. Um, And then kind of in the same world, um, glutathione also is
1: going to support both sperm and egg health and quality.
2: Yes. So glutathione, absolutely also appropriate for both men and women. And um, when we're looking at this process of folliculogenesis or the follicular support of egg development, Um, This is a period of many months before ovulation actually occurs. Um, During this process, the cells surrounding the egg, um, collectively known as the follicle, are going to replicate. And so again, that's where um, many OBGYNs can look at that follicle health as an indicator of uh, fertility. Um, And we know that every single one of these tiny cells requires glutathione to protect and shield it from damage. So the egg quality is pretty dependent on glutathione status, um, and it's really one of our ovaries' main protectors. Um, And then when we look at research on oocytes or egg cells, the higher levels of intracellular glutathione will produce stronger, healthier embryos. Um, And so we tend to see, again, a lot more data here in the world of IVF just because it's more kind of truly under a microscope versus, you know, it's it's that um, looking at things in vitro versus in vivo. Um, But we do know in vivo, that same mechanism is going to support that follicular maturation and also support the egg health itself.
1: Okay, um, so increasing our, our glutathione, super, super important here. Um, and supplement-wise, we'd recommend our cellular antiox um, at two twice daily if you are in that you know trying-to-conceive uh, space. And again, for these antioxidants, you're looking like 90 days prior uh, as the important timeframe.
2: Yes, and we've seen in glutathione deficiency also concerns with um, not just ovarian aging, but even ovarian cancer. So this would be a big one that we would focus on, you know, that has that dual impact of cellular protection. And, and again, resounding that benefit of using targeted nutrients over pharmacological agents, which can actually then have cancer risk when we're talking about intervention, especially when using those exogenous synthetic hormones. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and
1: then supporting methylation also super important when we're trying to conceive. Let's talk a little bit about that and recommendations.
2: Yeah, you know, so we often think of the population that has MTHFR or that genetic mutation on the ability to methylate or activate folate as a high risk factor for infertility and miscarriage. So methylation plays a huge role with DNA expression. And when an individual is running low on bioactive folate, we think of neural tube defects in the world of actual pregnancy and healthy baby's development. But in the world of actually getting a healthy fertilized egg, methylation plays a huge role there as well. So we would bring in that methyl complete Formula as a really good boost, one twice daily, giving us that suite of nutrients that support that process of methylation. And that's going to help to detoxify, that's going to help to support production of compounds required for healthy fertility and that's going to play a role of kind of turning that that wheel of methylation that helps that excretion and building pathway. Okay, so now let's get into keto.
1: I know you wrote a piece for Mind Body Green on the role of ketosis and anti-inflammatory diet for fertility. Let's talk about how this approach can play a role
2: yeah so this concept is really digging into that idea that your nutritional status can influence inflammation as well as hormone expression in the body and that when you get into an anti-inflammatory state especially an anti-inflammatory state that has an impact on your pituitary gland that P that impacts all of those sex hormones right that this can really press the reset button on your body's fertility if you will um, and so when we're looking at the ketogenic diet it can be both anti-inflammatory it can be gut restoring It has metabolic impacts, including insulin-lowering effects, and directly can impact that FSH to LH ratio, which can ultimately influence fertility and healthy conception. And I think often for listeners that maybe haven't tried a ketogenic diet, um, maybe they have good metabolic health, and their A1C is beautiful at like a 5.1, and their fasting insulin's fine, and they're exercising, It's still potentially worth lifting up that rock of considering using a ketogenic diet beyond the ideas of weight loss or maybe as a way to harness anxiety or balance your blood sugar levels. Um, I know personally that I was teaching a ketogenic program for what felt like forever from 2009 onward and it really wasn't. I really attribute with Stella because we were trying for like 18 months um, before I got pregnant with Stella And um, I really attribute, I did the MRT um, panel, which is that inflammatory 170 foods and chemicals and did a tight MRT. I did a candida cleanse um, with our beat the bloat protocol. And we talk about that connection in that adenomyosis um, episode about how when the uterus has dysbiosis, essentially, that can make an inhabitable space for fertility. So I think that for sure had a mechanism of of impact. Um, But within that candida cleanse, I then went forward and stayed keto. Um, And so I think it's kind of funny, you know, you watch all these, I was watching all these like keto babies and these like miracle babies from PCOS clients and et cetera. And it wasn't until like you feel like everyone. I remember I was lecturing at uh, Methodist Hospital for a women's hormones thing. And I remember calling my mom crying and being like, I am here not able to get pregnant and I'm supposed to be talking about healthy pregnancy. Like, I'm such a hypocrite. This is such imposter syndrome. Um, And I just think that that's worth noting. You know, I think that it can be a really trying painful process where like every red light every that luteal phase that takes so long Mm -hmm. (laughs) those 16 to 18 days of hell where every moment you are touching your boobs are they tender am I pregnant um you know do I did I have a weird poop did I have heartburn did my every single thing that happens in your body you're like does this mean could it be the time um and so just kind of giving peace to that process and um coming up with maybe mantra of like my body um you know is capable and, you know, this is all up to God's plan or whatever resonates with you of kind of releasing as best you can, but just saying, sisters, I hear you. (laughs) And I know that it can be a really silent, long wait out couple weeks every month that comes and daunts you. Um, But keto could be something new to layer in that could have some pretty remarkable impacts. Totally. And and I think the mental emotional piece is huge. And I think
1: we should talk about that because it can be a huge stressor. You know, you're walking through the grocery store and it's like you only see pregnant women. And they're always the unhealthy Um, ones with like the like
2: soda and stuff. And you're like, why?
1: Why? (laughs) Um, But, you know, stressful just within your personal space and then stressful, you know, within your relationship and, and dynamics with your partner as well.
2: Yeah. So, you know, like I said earlier with oxytocin, I think it is really important to find other intimacy and fun elements with your partner. Like this might be a good time to get a puppy (laughs) or to garden or Mm -hmm. pick up a hobby together. So you have something else to obsess about distraction versus I'm ovulating or are we pregnant yet or what's wrong or kind of, you know, keeping that sexiness is really important in the bedroom um, and not making work or stress out of intimacy and intercourse I think is really important. But also maintaining fun with your partner and a sense of lightness I think is is really really, really important, especially if you've had failed rounds of IVF and you're trying to kind of, maybe you have that final embryo and it's like, okay, are we going to do it in three months or six months? I always say to my clients, like, give it time, like let yourself have fun, have all of the sex, go on a quick, like little uh, weekend getaway. And yeah, you might do it kind of around your ovulation time, but really focusing on again, cuddling, spooning, feeling safe, touch, intimacy, Um, And just maintaining a sense of fun versus we have to do this, maintaining this natural connection.
1: Yes. And I I think that's a really important problem. It's like you lose this natural element and you're forcing and overthinking it.
2: Yes. I think it's kind of impossible, impossible, excuse me, not to overthink, but as much as you can bring in a replacement mantra um, or try to shift gears or ramp up your calm and clear. <laughs> Take all of the calm yeah. and clear so you get out of that analysis paralysis analytical space. Yep. And as we're just talking about,
1: you know, the male counterpart here real quick, like I would get your partner or husband, whatever, on the CoQ10 and cellular antiox um, for sure as you're taking them as well to work on that sperm quality piece of the puzzle because you know he's half of the equation so super and super important and yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: is equally important because I really think energetically spiritually emotionally if the man doesn't want to have the baby or if he does and he's stressed about having the baby mm-hmm. that that could also impact of course fertility too oh, totally
1: I think there's so much like mental emotional that we just can't understand all right um <laughs> so let's unpack some of the um preliminary priorities in approaches to fertility treatment so highlighting you know the conventional treatment and then some of the mechanisms of action that nutritional ketosis can play into here. Let's start out by talking about insulin resistance and fertility.
2: Yeah, I think this is the most common and yet often maybe not discussed. I don't know. I mean, one of the number one drugs, I guess, in the world of infertility or the first line of defense. And I almost want to say not, Becky, I don't know what you've witnessed, but in the last five years, it's like going right into IVF without using Clomid and Metformin. But the gold standard used to be metformin or glucophage, which is essentially a diabetic medication, right? Usually a first line of defense for diabetics. And we see this as a huge tool with infertility because metformin is going to support blood sugar regulation and reduce insulin levels. And insulin itself is an anabolic hormone, a building hormone. And if insulin levels are elevated, this can interfere with fertility. What's beautiful is that when we see, um, oh, and I wanna connect the dots also that if insulin levels are up, we also see mechanistically that ovulation is going to be down. Um, And so if looking to enhance ovulation, you bring insulin down. Um, And so the beauty of keto is that a ketogenic diet, a very low carbohydrate diet, and getting into a state of nutritional ketosis will naturally reduce your body's level of insulin as blood sugar levels regulate at lower levels. Um, Also often, if you're seeing lower blood sugar and lower insulin, you might see mobilization of fat if you have some excessive body fat, Um, and that's through that production, of course, of ketones from your body fat stores. And we're also going to see a further support of insulin sensitivity, which is going to enhance the signaling of the insulin hormone in the body over time, requiring less. And then we see in overweight females that the ketogenic diet can yield this dual impact of that body fat loss while bringing down that um, insulin level, whereas we don't necessarily see that from just the intervention of metformin as a drug. Sure, yeah, yeah, so benefits across the board for sure. And then even if blood sugar is
1: optimized and insulin levels are not off, which was your case, the pituitary keto impact is still worth exploring, you know, for carbohydrate restriction.
2: Yeah. You know, so again, I connected the dots that the pituitary stress connection, right? That the pituitary in your brain makes actually your gonadotropin-releasing hormone. um, And it also makes that follicular-stimulating hormone and that luteinizing hormone. And those three players influence our hormone production, as well as the maturation and release of a healthy egg for ovulation. So this is where in the mainstream medical world, when we're focusing on that pituitary area of hormones, we would look at Clomid. Um, And Clomid is a medication that modulates the estrogen receptors in the hypothalamus, that regulatory center of the brain, that H of the HPA axis. And Clomid will block the negative feedback of estrogen to promote more of an upregulation of the HPG access, or that hypothalamic-pituitary-gonadal axis, turning on basically how the H and the P support sex hormones instead of adrenals. Um, and ovulation will often increase by causing that pituitary gland to make not just more gon- gonadal-stimulating hormone, but also the FSH and the LH. Um, And that's what's going to stimulate the growth of an ovarian follicle. And that's where that egg is contained to be released in ovulation. So um, we do say, though, that some of these mechanisms, it's kind of like a slingshot to the pituitary, your clomid. And this can have really dynamic impacts on mood, as well as unfavorable impacts on body weight. So a lot of people gain body fat on this medication. Now, if we're using keto instead for pituitary dysfunction, keto is actually going to support the pituitary by providing a nice amount of leptin Leptin actually crosses that blood-brain barrier and docks to the hypothalamus, and this tells that regulatory system that it's safe, so that it doesn't have that HPA-access adrenal steel. Um, When it supports regulatory parasympathetic state through leptin action, we also see better pituitary function and output. It's important to note that we have leptin receptors. Not only do we focus on that crossing the blood-brain barrier, but we have of leptin receptors on our thyroid and on our ovaries so there's definitely a connection of sex hormone production and function in leptin levels and many individuals will have leptin resistance um, or insufficient leptin levels where an underbody individual underweight individual might need to increase the fat in their diet to get that leptin balance back up an overweight individual might need to focus on more restrictive eating or fasting to support that insulin sensitivity as well as leptin sensitivity. Um, either way, the ketogenic diet could be used. It would just be, is it a ketogenic diet that is higher calorie, like a refeed keto, or a restrictive keto? And that would be dependent on the individual But either way, getting that leptin effect is going to impact the hypothalamus to stimulate that HPG access instead of the HPA, just like that Clomid medication does, but without the side effects. Yes.
1: I think that's a really good point that, you know, underweight individuals may need to gain weight in order to have a baby, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, especially thinking about fasting, like it's not this one size fits all approach. And, you know, if you're doing fasting and you have a low percent body fat, we might want to give that up.
2: Yeah. And then, you know, another thing we would focus on beyond calories and fasting is Um, Natural sunlight, we know that leptin reset um, tends to kind of trend with melatonin pattern. Um, So getting natural sunlight within 30 minutes of rise would be really huge. Cutting off blue light and getting good sleep cycles and then refeeding in the sense, especially if not 30 plus pounds overweight, getting protein and fat within the first 20 minutes of rise. So if you're dealing with infertility and you've been doing a 16-8 intermittent fast, Maybe trade out that keto coffee and get you some eggs and avocado um, would be much more favorable for fertility. And then you're getting choline and a suite of B vitamins, a lot more super foods to support sex hormone balance. Totally okay and we've just hit a
1: bit on how you know stress obviously interferes with fertility um let's talk about how this can translate into androgen excess and dhea
2: yeah so that was also me Um, my dhea levels were over a thousand and it's ideal to have those for women in the saliva from 106 to 300 Um, And I'm someone that runs high adrenaline and can trend on that upper level of DHEA. So I check my hormones at least twice a year. And right now I'm kind of like hanging around like the 250 world, which works just fine. Um, But androgen access, um, too much again of that adrenal stimulus will make more male pattern hormone and suppress sexual hormone female hormone expression. And we know that when the body is in this HPA axis overdrive or this fight or flight mode, that HPG or that gonadal sexual hormone is going to be suppressed. Um, and we'll see this also in women that have PCOS, they'll often have elevated DHEA. We'll also see this in women that have like hirsutism or other androgenic trends of like androgenic acne, um, like, um, breakouts on the chin, etc. Um, and so when we think of drug interventions in mainstream medicine, we think of spironolactone or, um, aldactone. Um, and this works as Uh, against the aldosterone Um, it's going to bind its receptors of the adrenal hormone and it also serves as a diuretic increasing sodium and water to be excreted while maintaining potassium Um, and so this antagonistic effect basically works against turning on the adrenals, and it reduces the androgenic excess, which will over time in female females bring down that DHEA, and maybe it will even bring down excessive testosterone in women. Sure. Um, and we know-
1: Keto is one of our best tools for reducing DHEA levels. So I'd much rather go that way instead. Yeah.
2: So again, you're getting kind of this multi-mechanistic impact. So when we do a ketogenic diet, DHEA is going to be metabolized as a building block, uh, as a production piece of ketones. And so the ketogenic diet is really the most direct, effective way to reduce DHEA levels and balance them out from this excessive androgenic expression. We also know that as insulin levels are regulated with a low carb diet, um, that we tend to see less inflammation and we'll also see better hormone production in the ovaries. And then I also will focus on supplement strategy here to bring in relax and regulate. That myo-inositol is one of the best ways to enhance our cellular signaling, as well as reduce excess circulating androgens and promote ovarian hormone production. In fact, we've seen, I think it's 244% increase in ovulation in women that use myo-inositol at a four gram gram a day dosage. And that's equal to just one scoop of our Relax and Regulate. But when we're talking fertility, I like to get the husband on one scoop and the wife on two scoops daily um, because it also supports that whole stress access. But there's that insulin sensitivity in the myo-inositol. And then you're definitely going to get this and lowering effect yep I would agree with the the two scoops a day for sure um,
1: all right and then a very common result um, we can see from our virtual keto program is weight loss so yes you know just losing weight and improving body composition if we do have excessive body fat, Um, can increase fertility as well.
2: Absolutely. You know, we see that excessive body fat, again, your adipocytes or your body fat cells will have estrogenic influence. So we'll often see um, when we're dealing with uh, high amounts of body fat, we'll see more estrogen dominance in these individuals and insulin resistance. And these individuals might also see some of that increase of testosterone along with that increase of insulin. That's that anabolic androgenic connection. And this will interfere with ovulation and fertility so we do see that weight loss is a recommendation especially for uh, categorized obese individuals when looking at fertility Um, but often there's not enough guidance it's just like calories in calories out and that individual might not get this multiple mechanism of using keto for weight loss. Um, we also see, like you mentioned, Becky, with the high-stress androgenic individuals that underweight individuals are, are not often told about the importance of increasing healthy fats um, or the need to gain weight, but they need these essential building blocks of fats, especially saturated in the form of fats, like um, getting in grass-fed butter and tallow and lard and eating pasture-raised proteins with um, higher fatty cuts. These are essential for hormone production. Um, And so it's really important to, especially if an individual had amenorrhea or was over exercising or had disordered eating to refeed with that fat. So it's interesting. The Mayo Clinic will say as a quote, exercise and eat a healthy diet, keep Keeping up with moderate exercise routine and eating healthy foods can improve your outlook and keep you focusing on living your life despite fertility problems, which I just felt like was such a like write-off of like nothingness. (laughs) Yeah. What what does that mean? Yeah. Um, Yeah. So we would say,
1: you know, to expand on that, (laughs) real food, keto, approach yes. um including your leafy greens your cruciferous veggies your wild caught fish and pasture raised proteins and then an abundance of fat from healthy sources so olive avocado coconut nuts and seeds high-quality animal products. Um, these are also going to provide you bioavailable B vitamins. Um, and then we'll get the I3C or hormone-regulating um, compounds from those cruciferous veg yes. the omega-3 fatty acids, antioxidants, um, and you know saturated fats here um as building blocks of, of hormone production and cell membrane support so yeah a little more than just
2: eat healthy foods yes <laughs> keep you on
1: know. keep on trucking i was like this
2: is absurd <laughs> you know so that's kind of where if we're talking about like super foods sure. for fertility yeah, yeah. I would really lean into, and we'll link, I feel like we keep linking this one, our Mediterranean Keto uh, YouTube. And if it's a listener that has not tried our Food as Medicine virtual 12-week keto program, this is a huge call to action here because it's anti-inflammatory, antioxidant-rich, and you're going to get these mechanisms of fertility with the actual production of ketones. All right. I will link
1: all of those things in the show notes. Okay. So, um, now that we know all these reasons to go keto, um, you know, to support fertility, balance hormones, reduce inflammation, all of the things, um, do we want to be tracking ketones when we're aiming for this infertility or, um, what do we want to do there?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to know if you're in a state of ketosis, for sure, um, because you do need those ketones to cross the blood-brain barrier to get that impact on the androgen influence, um, to get the impact. Maybe not the insulin um, resistance part, because you could do that by just going lower carb, but a lot of these mechanisms, especially when we talk pituitary, require the production of ketones. And so I would say starting at least with some urine strips to see if you are in a state of nutritional ketosis. And then if you really want to kind of nerd out, you might even go up to assessing blood ketones. Um, really being in a moderate level, you don't have to go into deep nutritional ketosis because I don't want you to go into that higher stress, higher restricted or um, you know analysis paralysis data. But urine strips, I think, are a really great entry point to just track, okay, i'm making ketones here we go we're Sure, the trains yeah. on the tracks kind of thing
1: yeah um and then let's talk how we could troubleshoot if we're not making ketones
2: yeah so beyond the supplements we mentioned which are more in the vein of supporting fertility Um, you know, I would say we would look at berberine boost as a natural alternate to metformin going back to that first mechanism of insulin resistance and, um, metformin bringing down glucose and insulin levels. Well, berberine has actually been shown in comparative studies to have the same efficacy on insulin and blood sugar lowering effects while actually better supporting the lipid profile or the cholesterol values of the individual. We know also that berberine has a very favorable influence on our uterine tissue. Um, So we talked about that in that adenomyosis uterine episode about how berberine actually supports supple uterine tissue. And so that would help with that inhabitable space and also could help with dysbiosis. If there was candida, yeast overgrowth, BV, berberine would be a really powerful player. So I think that's one to for sure bring in. And as an oral hypoglycemic, it's gonna bring down your blood sugar and should help you get into a state of ketosis. So that would be for sure my, my number one like kind of dual dip yep. recommendation. Yep. And so if PCOS, I would say like go straight to that too. You Absolutely, know. four a day, two yep. twice daily. Yep. And then um, if blood sugar is normalized, just maybe two a day for more of that uterine tissue support sure. and just getting a little bit deeper um, there. And then Boost and Burn would be the other one that I would recommend. Um, And the boost and burn is going to be a powerful player with the L-carnitine which is what will help to support the production of ketones and um, aid in mitochondria function, which is the energy cells of our body. Um, Often we require L-carnitine as a tool to produce ketones. So individuals that are not able to make ketones, giving them supplemental support with L-carnitine is a great way to enhance ketone production and, and start to get that squeaky wheel turning, if you will.
1: And I would also note that carnitine has really good studies, particularly in male infertility. Um, So carnitine has the ability to um, influence Mm -hmm. sperm motility and morphology and sperm count. So I would say get your partner on that as well. Um, Always helps to have everybody on the household on board anyway. So you both take, you know, your teaspoon of boost and burn in the morning and um, enjoy your keto coffee, or maybe you're having breakfast and he's having keto coffee and yeah. Just make it a good time.
2: And great rituals to do together yep. as yep. well. So I think just kind of in summary, that CoQ10 uh, complex at the 200 milligram capsule and cellular antiox are really good for both partners as is Relax and Regulate. Um, as kind of like those would be like the entry three, I would say for sure. And then um, mama, you'd want to bring in the methyl complete to support that methylation action on top of your multi avail mama as your prenatal, of course. And then depending on your individual need, if you need some stress support, maybe it's the Calm and Clear and Adaptogen Boost. Um, if you know you have uterine um, uh, thickening or fibroids, it would be that Inflamazime. Um, and then we would look to that Berberine Boost as a tool for the blood sugar lowering and or the uterine tissue lining support. We would hone in on, well, I've mentioned the stress support from the Calm and Clear and Adaptogen Boost. And um, then we already had that, that myo-inositol in the relax and regulate, but that's going to help to metabolize down those androgenic compounds. So hopefully today's episode gave you a lot of considerations in both the world of empathy and grace for yourself as far as mellowing out your stress and um, finding connection and intimacy again with your partner Um, maybe you consider tightening up your carbs and seeing how your body performs with nutritional ketosis we will link our virtual 12 week program in the show notes along with all of these supplements and the research studies discussed Um, As always, if you're loving today's episode, go on over and share that with a loved one or friend. um, Text them a link and leave us a five-star review on whatever avenue you're listening. And then go on over to AllieMillerRD.com where you can grab your tickets for our Wimberly Wellness Workshop, register for our Women's Wellness Webinar, and or purchase any of the supplements discussed as well as our virtual program.